This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I am Rustin, and I am with Scott and Dave, and we will be your guides along the path of suns. Today, we sing one spell. With Reflecting a Different Truth, we will discuss surreal representations of addiction. Join us on the path of suns, and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast Reflecting a Different Truth, we talk about integrating surreal elements into your Invisible Sun games. This time, we're talking about surreal depictions of addiction. Uh, so I'm going to start by breaking our outline a little bit and uh, asking uh, Rustin, our guest today, to introduce himself and what brings him to this podcast. Uh, hi, uh, I'm Rustin Coons. Uh, I'm a longtime uh, friend of Scott's, uh, and I've, um, I know Dave briefly. I think we met and shook hands at Gen Con. Yes, we did meet and shake hands at Gen Con. Along with uh, Scott, I'm one of the two uh, principal editors on uh, Cyphercaster Magazine, the original magazine of all things Cypher System. And uh, today I'm uh, joining just to talk about Invisible Sun a little bit. Very good. Yeah, we sat next to each other when they uh, rolled out Invisible Sun at Gen Con several years back. Uh, and we're excited about the game. And I know you've been following the game from through the Kickstarter uh, all the way to today. And so we're uh, happy to be able to bring you in to talk about uh, your what interested you in the game, uh, and uh, but mostly talk about some kind of topics uh, that might be of use for people playing Invisible Sun. Uh, hey, Rustin, are you are you running Invisible Sun or are you playing it? What's what's up? Well, right now I'm currently getting together my first actual group group. Um, cool. You know, my actual live group. Uh, I'm a little old school. I have resisted uh, all the efforts to do RPGs online. Um, I find for myself, one of the crucial things about playing an RPG that I think you just can't get from anything else is the the face-to-face -face, uh, social interaction with other uh, nerds. You know, that's that's really what it is. I, I like sitting around a table with people. I like the camaraderie. I like the uh, the group dynamic. Um, I've tried playing them online a little bit before, and I've never found it to be rewarding in the same way, um, which is not to disparage these things. It's just, I guess I'm old. Uh, I, I feel kind of the same way. I, I find it difficult to shift into like playing games online. Um, I'm so used to playing it at the table and just being able to get that instant feedback and being able to read body language. Like Playing it online is a different skill set that I just have not learned. Yeah. And uh, I know that um, I'm getting my first group together now. I have a long, you know, long standing uh, uh, game where we've been playing mostly fifth edition now since 5e came out. Uh, we shifted over there from mm -hmm. Pathfinder. Uh, but, you know, again, everyone in my group is an adult who has like a career or a family. And uh, so we only get together about once a month. And there's not been a lot of time for, for, for role playing games. Um, as Scott mentioned before, uh, I was there at the announcement seminar at Gen Con. The first, that was actually the first year I went to Gen Con um, and uh, got really sucked into the excitement about it. Uh, actually, when they were doing the geocaching, 
I actually tracked down the the sun medallion that was here local, but uh, I got beaten to it by an hour and a half by the guy that actually got to take the physical medallion home. So that was really a fun thing. And I mean, you know, I mean, I, I literally, I, you know, one day we were here and I was looking at the coordinates and I'm like, you know, I, I know where that is. That's up in Denton. Get in the car, kids. We're heading up there. And so I just bundled everybody up there and we we trucked out there and, uh, you know, hunted around in the park until we found uh, the geocaching spot. Yeah, the, the closest for us uh, was Chicago, which is about a four hour drive. Oh, well, see, this was it took me I think it took us about 40 minutes to get over there. Yeah, and then we spent about 10 minutes hunting for it before we found it because it wasn't too hard to find. But it was uh, I don't know. It was it was just I'd never done any sort of geocaching before either. So it was real thrilling. Actually, it was it was very, very mm -hmm. exciting to do that because uh, at that point, nobody had reported in that they had found the one that was here in, near DFW. Um, but I have run Invisible Sun. Uh, you know, I ran Invisible Sun at Gen Con, I guess, last year when uh, MCG put out the uh, uh, and now we begin at the end. Uh, did you run it for MCG or did you just yeah, run I ran it? it for, no, I ran it for MCG and I ran okay. it three times. I ran three sessions of it there. So it was uh, a lot of fun. I enjoyed the system a great deal. And honestly, if, if, if it hadn't been so hard to get human beings together, uh, I'd already be running it now. But uh, we're, we're currently set to launch, I think, at the end of March is what we're looking at. Uh, in fact, I'm going to have uh, we're going to test out the I think the 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 extent of how playable something is with characters getting constantly pulled into shadow by inviting Mr. <laughs> Scott here to join anytime he has a chance to drop by. Wait, Scott's an unreliable player. No, Scott lives four hours away. So, <laughs> so uh, anytime he's in the area when I'm having a game, you know, we're going to. Well, uh, I think the plan at this point is uh, him and his wife, uh, they're going to come down. Uh, we're gonna try, I'm going to try and get them to come down for the initial neighborhood creation. And then every month when we have a game, we'll post the dates. And any month they're there, fantastic. And any month they can't make it, well, they got they got pulled away. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so, so this would be, I think, kind of a, a very – because, you know, I know that's, I think, intended primarily as a, as a mechanism to prevent your game – from completely grinding to a halt because one person can't make a particular session, but it will be an interesting test of how well gameplay continues. I think when you have someone that is actually pretty irregular, I'm, I'm confident you're going to be all right. Yeah, I think so. I think so, but it's going to be a small group anyway, because I think it's going to be even with Scott and even with both you and Jen there, Scott, that's only five players. So I think the rest of the time, it'll just be, you know, the three. The game works well with small groups. Uh, three people will be just fine. Uh, yes. I know that I've, I've run with two and three people and had no problem with it. In fact, I'd be more worried about seven than I would three. Yeah. Honestly, I really like running this game when there are fewer people at the table. So when people, uh, you know, just have something that pulls them away, I kind of relish being able to run for three or four because it really lets you focus in on what those three or four characters are, you know, interested in. Hmm. Well, that's good to know. Speaking of having an interest in uh, uh, the topic for this discussion, to give us a little more structure, uh, was going to be surreal de or de uh, surreal depictions of addiction. Uh, and Russell, you suggested this is an interesting topic. What what in attracted you to this topic? And let, we can kind of roll into that conversation. 
Well, I, I think there's a long historical connection between, uh, in particular, the surrealist, the actual surrealist art movement, and um, uh, the idea of uh, addiction, or, or in particular, of hallucinations. Not all uh, uh, addictive substances are um, hallucinatory, and not all hallucinatory substances create addiction. Um, but I think that there is historically a, a certain amount of uh, interconnection between those two those two ideas. And so I think you have uh, many examples of how um, of people who are either experiencing um, some sort of surreal experience in their minds in real time because they've ingested a substance or the other side of this, which I think is equally just as interesting, is the idea that you have people who are undergoing withdrawal symptoms and the stresses created by the brain uh, tend to lead one, I think, to some pretty bizarre places. Um, uh, one of the examples I, br I brought up when we were briefly discussing this before is uh, just from the withdrawal aspect is the classic scene of the dead baby crawling across the ceiling in Renton's apartment in the movie Train Spotting when he attempts to uh, kick his heroin habit. Heroin's not something that's really known for addiction. Uh, or, I mean, it's known for addiction, but it's not known for oh, surreality. Boy, is it? Well, it is really for addiction, but, but it's not really known for uh, a direct connection with the surreal until you really deal with how um, I think a lot of artists have depicted their addiction. So, Train Spotting is a great example to start with because in there you have both the scene where the guy's going through withdrawal, but you also have the very surreal scene much earlier in the film where the guy has uh, lost his uh, methadone suppositories in the worst toilet in Scotland. <laughs> and that scene is depicted as if he is diving down through clear, beautiful ocean waters. There's dreamy Brian Eno music playing in the background. And it's as if he has discovered a fistful of pearls at the bottom of the ocean here. And it's a metaphor for, I think, in that regard, like what that character is willing to, uh, you know, that, you know, it's, it's taken this absolutely horrific, disgusting scene and his brain has turned it into finding treasure at the bottom of the ocean. Because as far as the, 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 the compulsive, chemically addicted part of his brain is demanding, he might as well have been finding a fistful of pearls at the bottom of the ocean there. There's a lot to unpack for that in our understanding, how it can teach us the connection between surrealism and addiction in Invisible Sun, you know, keywords we've hit a lot before on how it's using a metaphorical representation of a subjective experience mm -hmm. to describe something in a surreal way, which is really just standing for what's really going on. So yeah. it, it it is a, a this metaphorical representation because to the to the the diver, um, this is diving for treasure. Yeah. Uh, but for an outside observer, it would be a horrific, yeah. uh, disgusting experience. And so it helps. Uh, so a theme we've emphasized a lot, you know, with, with surrealism, it's not just weirdness. It's about having a particular type of weirdness that is uh, deeply connected to reality. Yeah. Um, that that is always compared to reality so that we learn more about our reality by confronting these unreal aspects of the of the metaphor um so it's it's a you know it, it is an example of all of these techniques kind of used in screenwriting that we might steal for our invisible sun games exactly um the other example of uh, that particular phenomenon that always comes to mind when i think about it is um a scene from the uh adap the film adaptation of uh, william burroughs uh, naked lunch um where the um 
he has the typewriter and the typewriter has <laughs> what is clearly some sort of orifice on it. And it is speaking to him through an orifice. And uh, he is required by that typewriter to take a bug killer, a literal in the, in the, in the metaphor of what he's experiencing as his hallucination. It is an actual poison. And he is required to, you know, take his finger and smear that poison all around that that orifice entry there, uh, in order to satisfy uh, the talking typewriter. And man, you want to talk about a lot of imagery to unpack in one place. You know, uh, you've got a character who's a writer, so obviously now the typewriter's talking to him. So I mean, there's a you know some metaphor there as far as like, you know, the, for the creative process, I think. And then you know, the thing that I think really that's interesting is how detached the character is as he goes through what is just clearly this this incredibly bizarre proceeding as if oh well so now i need to do this well okay if this is going to get me what i need then i guess this is what i'm going to do here and uh it's pretty weird so is he doing what the typewriter is asking him to do in order to continue writing like what what's yeah you you get the you get the real feeling that that is kind of what's going on there that that you know that there's a metaphor there about how he's you know essentially using drugs you know burroughs was a heroin addict right mm-hmm. and so there's there's a certain metaphor there for for how he felt uh that his his personal muse i think was chained to his chemical dependency and again that's that's one of those films that there's I mean, you can't watch two minutes of that movie without needing to pause it and go back and think about everything you just saw. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there's a you know a lot of discussion there about you know his his feeling about the relationship between his addiction and his ability to be creative and um, his almost his you know that him as a character in that scene is almost like the rational part of his mind that is now ra- essentially literally rationalizing all of this weird shit he's having to do in order to get the creative impulse going here so we can get back to writing. I think that's one particularly useful technique in this, this topic is the personification of addiction mm-hmm. where uh, in this case, because of the, the surreal setting kind of gives us opportunities to do unreal things. Whereas a, an addiction may be a, an experience, a subjective experience of a particular addict. Uh, and they are feeling things that they're trying to understand um, and they're co- compelled in a variety of ways. Um, it's really hard to externalize that in uh, realistic fiction, but in surreal fiction, including our own games, we can literally just create a, an external creature or an external force uh, that represents this compulsion or the source of the compulsion over the addicted uh, character. So in the, in the Naked Lunch example, it might be uh, a typewriter. But it is something that that actually stands for that compulsion and the sense of of powerlessness of this externalized uh, uh, control over one's behavior. And that's a more general technique is is when it is with surre- designing surreal elements uh, and trying to use the sort of metaphorical power uh, to uh, address meaning through surreal elements is to take an internal subjective experience and personify it external to that character. And that's kind of an easy bake oven of surrealism. Yeah. And there's a, I think there's a lot of potential when you look at this particular topic for exploring, you know, surreal outlets to it, because, you know, oftentimes I think for, for casual observers or the the people on the outside, uh, the behavior of the person who is addicted to something is not rational. It makes no rational sense. There's no, they, they lack the internal 
context that the addict is undergoing um, when they're, which is, you know, what leads them to the series of not particularly rational rationalizations that they make in order to justify what they're actually doing. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways, like an Invisible Sun in particular, that you could explore that by creating essentially, uh, essentially uh, almost nonsensical addictions. Like you could be addicted to something that is, you know, utterly non-addictive in reality, but for whatever reason, this particular person is dependent upon this. Like maybe you're addicted to butterflies, you know, or moths or something like that, which it's not, doesn't make any rational sense, but if you have someone that is, as long as you, I think, have that element of compulsive behavior where it's clear that the person involved in the behavior has already rationalized for themselves everything that's going on, even if it makes absolutely no sense to you whatsoever, um, as the outside observer, that it, it, it's still, it's still something that you can have that, that drives a character. Um, you know, we were we were talking briefly before about how I think that there's some overlap there in just in general with the idea of uh, like possession of any form, you know, that idea that you're as a character compelled to behave a certain way. And so, you know, you could have, um, you know, maybe a, a swarm of evil moths and those evil moths have now, uh, you know, you're you're addicted to them, but, but you're addicted to them not because there's anything inherently addicted to moths, but because these particular moths force compulsive behavior upon a character and uh, that may not even be a player character but that might be a good idea for like an npc or something like that and i recall one of the first issues of the original hellblazer comic involved a connection between possession and um eating disorders oh my gosh i'd forgotten all about that one and it's an example of how uh in it's surreal in its own way it tried to tackle issues of eating disorders by uh imagining a scenario where it was actually the product of demonic possession and we you know the debates uh, of the we, uh, uh, continue on the success of that effort but it is an example of this externalization of the addictive behavior uh personified in this case by a demonic a, a demon that is yeah. possessing a person yeah and i think quite often you know demons um at least in in western culture or particularly in um in the United States, um, I think a lot of times there's a lot in, especially a certain tradition in the evangelical movement of, uh, of people actually feeling that addiction is literally being caused by actual demonic possession. So, um, because again, there, I think there's, there's an ability to equate that loss of personal control over your own actions or behaviors with, you know, something compulsive, you know, something, whatever it is, it's compelling you. And I think it was hard for some people to really accept that, you know, something is, is, seemingly benign as a group of chemicals could create that kind of change in your, you know, manifest behavior. Yeah. And as we wrap this up, it is important to emphasize that this can be an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people. Uh, this is definitely a topic you'd want to talk to your group about before you start building in a lot of elements, uh, uh, related to addiction and compulsion and more broadly mental health issues uh, mm -hmm. because this can just make it for an uncomfortable table experience for your players if they are surprised by it. Yeah. Uh, so th this is, you know, because of the, the, the uh, uh, harm this can cause to surprise people by this and the pressure it can put on them. Uh, you, you don't want to do this without that, that consultation to make sure people are comfortable with a, uh, using metaphors related to addiction and uh, again, more broadly mental health issues um, 
that it won't be felt by your players as trivializing Mm -hmm. uh, anything uh, based upon this depiction, that it will not be seen as uh, a a criticism. Um, So this is a this is a territory where you want to be very careful. Um, And it's just generally a good rule. If you have anything you're at all worried about making someone uncomfortable, talk to your group about the topic and whether that topic is something they would like to have as part of their game, because there may be some groups who just decide this is not a topic they really want to confront during their game experiences. Um, even if it's a valid topic, uh, it's a you know important part of literature and all of those sorts of things that may not be what people want to do with their four hours um, of a, an RPG experience. So, you know, be careful in using these these uh, topics. But there is a lot of potential here if the group is interested in exploring uh, the, the themes. Yeah, um, I think one thing that um, you could do if you had that kind of concern about your particular table is to just pull all, again, just, just to try to rip as many of those uh, direct uh, representative elements completely out of it. Um, so when you look at Invisible Sun as it is, I mean, they certainly have the concept of possession in there. Um, and you could always keep it at something more along the, the level of that and, you know, treat the person, you know, maybe the character behaves uh, or you just, as a, as a GM, if you just approach it from that point of view, that the, the compulsive behavior is something they're inflicting on you and that essentially now whatever in-story character is being afflicted by this um, is behaving as if they're an addict. You don't, I think, have to get into the specifics of, of uh, you know, any particular addiction. And as always, it just comes down to talking to and knowing your group yeah, knowing your and where boundaries are. Yeah, definitely not a, definitely not something for a con game, maybe. <laughs> no, so. Not so much. <laughs> Hmm. any final comments on uh addiction uh and uh surreal uh game elements um you know i just i think that this is something that there's a a, when you look that that this can be used as a a character motivator especially for npcs um i think that um you know you might have for example the ability to do you know kind of the old switcheroo on people where they feel like okay well i here's a, a a protagonist someone that, or an antagonist who is uh, driving a certain amount of the action. Uh, And then, you know, they overcome that adversary only to discover, for example, that that person was under some sort of compulsion and really it was not their, their goal or their desire. And suddenly what might've been a very, you know, uh, uh, adversarial relationship between them and an antagonist might become something that they suddenly have a lot of sympathy for that person. Uh, This might lead to a larger, um, you know, a larger plot line where suddenly you realize there's a whole host of people being afflicted by something. Yeah, there's a lot of potential there. Well, that was an interesting uh, discussion. Is there anything you would like to plug, Rustin? Um, well, I just want to say that uh, uh, if anybody is interested in contributing to Cybercaster Magazine, uh, please uh, give us a um, uh, feel free to drop us a line. Uh, you can just check out uh, cyphercast.net. There's plenty of links through there, I think. And, and we can drop links in the show notes, too, for that. Yeah, we're currently looking for anybody that wants to write anything involving, um, you know, rules changes, house rules, adventures, uh, and in particular, lore and backstory for areas that already exist in the world of Numenera or the Strange in particular. Always looking for those things. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on, Rustin. It was, oh, man, I was going to call you Russ. <laughs> 
Uh, I like shortening names. Sorry. But thanks for coming on, Rustin. Um, It was really great having you on and talking to you about this. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from Drive-Thru RPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha- help people find us.